Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we'll share weekly messages as well as other resources we hope helps you as you seek to grow and know Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can connect with us, visit bcwc.org. A few months ago, our family moved into our new home. And it was new to us, but it's an, it's an old home. Not 190 years like our church, but an old home. And it had, uh, well, it, it, it needed and still needs some love, you know. And as we were moving in, we were very excited to get into the house uh, finally. And um, Brittany said, the first thing we have to do is get some help cleaning the kitchen and the bathroom. We just have to clean the kitchen and the bathroom. And, and I thought, well, we can just knock that out. You know, I can handle it. She said, no, we need to have professionals clean the kitchen and the bathroom. I have learned in our marriage that Brittany and I have sometimes different definitions of clean. There may be that tension in your own lives and relationships. I had it growing up with my, my dad as well, this military man who has an idea of what clean is. And I just, you know, color outside the line. I'm a creative type, I guess you could say. I think that looks good, I might say. And I uh, am then told the places where actually, see where you missed some things? Good enough, I might think. And I can hear my dad and Brittany saying, no, <laughs> it's, it's not. Now, there are times in our lives for good enough. Time to step away and to rest and to go home and to say no and to set boundaries. Yes, yes, yes. But there are some things that we need to take very, very seriously, like perhaps cleaning your kitchen or bathrooms when you're moving into a new old home for the first time. And when it comes to pursuing Christ, when it comes to how we are shaped by Christ, when it comes to the kind of community that we are going to be together 190 years after the start of this church. I think we need to set our expectations high. I think the community around us sets their standards pretty high for people who claim to be followers of Christ. And yet, if you are like me, you may look around and see expressions of people claiming Christ and then... <laughs> We see the same presence of corruption and greed and exploitation as everywhere else. Sometimes it's even worse. What happens when the unholy has wormed its way in the midst of what is meant to be holy? What happens when uncleanliness has taken over in places that are meant to be clean? It's the question we're asking today as we turn to Mark chapter 1 again. We're spending these few weeks here at the beginning of the year just in the first chapter of Mark, and it's chock full of stories and action and things that help us see who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. We first met John the Baptist emerging from the wilderness, declaring, repent, one is coming. And then we meet Jesus who is baptized he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe in the gospel. He goes there into the wilderness and then out of the wilderness, he calls for 
fishermen. He says, follow me. He calls them to who they need to become, who they were made to be. And immediately after that, we get to our text today. In Mark 1, starting in verse 21, and that's where we'll pick up this morning. This is Mark 1, 21 and 22. So they, that's Jesus and these new disciples, they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, they entered, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So right away, as Mark is moving the story forward, we see these disciples and Jesus move away from the sea and into a city, Capernaum, and it is a holy day, the Sabbath, and they enter into a holy place, the synagogue, and Jesus, the Holy One, begins to teach. Now, I don't know what the people were expecting that day when they woke up and decided to go to the synagogue. They had gone to the synagogue maybe their whole lives. They had made this tradition of going to worship, to hearing teaching. They always went, but they showed up today and things were different. The text says Jesus teaches with authority. We hear that word authority and we might get a little bit nervous in our world today. Some of us aren't big fans of authority. We have seen authority abused and misused. We have all experienced somebody with authority using that authority in a way that is harmful. But Mark wants us to see that Jesus is teaching with this good authority and the authority that we're seeing here is all about this credibility of who Jesus is and what Jesus has to say. It's so impactful. It says the people are astonished. It says Jesus teaches with authority unlike the scribes. Now this is not meant to be a put down of the scribes. The scribes were people teaching about the scripture. They were teaching about God and the way that they have writings about God, but then But then Jesus shows up and is God. You see the difference? Of course, there is more authority. Scribes teaching on behalf of what the Word says and what people have said, the Word of God is, and then the Word made flesh shows up at the synagogue. Can you imagine if you showed up for that worship service? We aren't given details on what Jesus teaches. We have to imagine a bit. Because it seems like Mark wants us to see that the the content of the teaching is less important than the one who is delivering it. There's an old saying in, in preaching that over the life of your ministry, people won't remember what you say. You probably don't remember what I said last week. I certainly don't but people will remember how you made them feel. It's true for all the ministry we do in all of our lives. Jesus shows up, and because of who he is, something is different. They encounter the Word made flesh, and it changes them in the moment. See, Jesus' presence opens people up to a new divine encounter. Mark wants us to see 
that as we worship Christ, as we turn to Christ, we find ourselves as a people who encounter Christ, empowered by the Spirit. We aren't just people that talk about words about God. But as Christians, we believe that God wants to meet us. That we can really encounter the divine. And how we worship in our study, in our appreciation of beauty and nature, in our activism and service, in our relationships with one another, we can encounter the divine. A few of us from the church have been invited to participate in a, a project. Anne, Emily, and Amanda, and I yesterday spent some time with some other churches talking about worship and how we worship. And we heard this quote that said about, about half of people who attend church in America say they have not experienced an encounter with God. So we've been thinking about how do we create space for, pay attention to, look for ways to encounter God together in our worship and in our prayers and our study of Scripture and in our community and the way that we serve one another I think Mark first wants us to see that when we worship and Jesus is present, there is astonishing authority, the presence of God. Do we expect to encounter God? I imagine those people who woke up to go to the synagogue meeting that day, they may not have been expecting to encounter God, and yet, are we looking to encounter God? when we feed people and love people, when we look each other in the eyes? Do we enter into this place and into our lives as followers of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, expecting to meet God? Do we ask God to meet us? Jesus is present, right, in this holy place, and it causes some issues. Let's read verses 23 and 24. Just then, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now this can be a jarring story for us to read in our westernized world with our westernized ears. It may make us a little bit uncomfortable seeing language about Spirits, and powers, and principalities. What, is, what does this mean? What do we do with this? Now, many of our brothers and sisters from different expressions and experiences and places know this reality well, that there are forces, desires, things that are against, opposed to God. And one of these spirits emerges in this Story. See, in the ancient world, unclean spirits were just accepted to be part of reality. It was just how things were described. In fact, the majority of Jesus' miracles in the Gospels are healings, and many of them include casting out of unclean spirits. Now, we can get distracted and uncomfortable with this section of Scripture, and then we might miss the point that Mark is trying to make. So we first need to understand what Mark means by an unclean spirit. So unclean here means against the purposes of God. 
So it's not actually dirty or shameful or something like that, but a spirit that stands against the way of God, the kingdom of God. A spirit of decay and destruction of death. And it has infiltrated this person and this place. And, and I don't want us to miss where it is. Remember, this is a holy day in a holy place. We would not have expected an unclean spirit to be here among these people at the synagogue. And yet, when Jesus shows up, this spirit is riled up and it cries out and acknowledges who Jesus is and responds in fear that Jesus will destroy, cast out, push away this spirit of destruction and decay and defiance. And when we hear this story today, we might imagine someone bursting into our sanctuary and causing a scene, but, but, but it doesn't appear that this man is coming in from outside. He's part of the group. He's been there. Maybe the people know him well, and, and I wonder if they sense something was wrong. We like to imagine that this is a person unlike us. We like to other this person, but... Mark intentionally wants us to see this first miracle happening here among a group of worshipers. The Spirit says, what have you to do with me, Jesus of Nazareth? Oh wait, I said that wrong. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? First he speaks with the plural. What do you want to do with us? Destroy us. This puzzles scholars. uh, puzzles me. Perhaps he's using the plural to talk about other spirits. Other interpreters think he might be using the plural to talk about the spirit of decay and death that has worked itself in across all of the people there, even as it's become most pronounced in this individual I think Mark wants us to see how these spirits, what Paul in the New Testament letters would say, powers and principalities, that is, movements away from God can infect both individuals and systems. And when the good news that Jesus is with us, when Jesus shows up, these are exposed and confronted even within us. See, I believe Jesus' presence irritates the unholy that infects individuals and systems. There is real evil in the world. I don't have to convince you of that. That can seep into us and our desire for power, for control, for greed. We shouldn't be surprised that there is an unclean spirit in the synagogue when churches today can struggle with their own spirits of uncleanliness as we see things like corruption and sexual abuse. A recent study showed that 49% of U.S. Protestant pastors say they frequently hear members of their congregation repeating conspiracy theories they've learned. Christians have used Scripture to justify slavery and racism. Christians have twisted Scripture to justify the oppression of marginalized people, of women, of our LGBTQ siblings. 
When Christian nationalists and white supremacists pick up Christian imagery and language it and weaponize it for their own power and to harm others, we see unclean spirits infecting individuals and systems. People who claim to be holy. These are anti-God forces and ideas and desires and justifications that can seep in to us and the systems we participate in. Mark wants us to see that even this group of people, all group of people, are susceptible. It's been said in the terms of Exodus from the Hebrew Bible, you can get people out of Egypt, but it's harder to get Egypt out of people. Or as James Baldwin says, people are trapped in history and history is trapped in them. Or as Pastor Rich Viotis likes to say, Jesus may live in your heart, but Grandpa lives in your bones. But when Jesus shows up, it irritates this spirit of uncleanliness in the world. And I think we need Jesus to irritate us, to challenge us and help us look inward. We need an encounter. An encounter with Jesus that helps us not just examine and talk about everybody out there, but to look inward. The great theologian and pastor who stood against the Nazi regime, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, diagnosed the problem well when he said the problem is we read Scripture no longer against ourselves, but only for ourselves. We need some holy irritation to challenge us, to cause us to look inward. And I have good news when we encounter Jesus. When we look to follow Jesus wherever Jesus will take us, when we're willing to let Jesus interrogate us and speak in our lives, the unholy things get uncomfortable. The authoritative Christ enters into our world and our lives and the systems that we participate in and benefit from when we follow Him, when we know Him. And we may find ourselves from time to time with a case of holy irritation as the very Spirit of God challenges us and our churches to be places where unholiness is threatened. That this holy irritation can be conviction of the Spirit of God to confront unholiness among us. So I am encouraged these days as I watch people get disgusted with the unclean spirits that have infected Christian messages and have infected systems and communities because the first step to casting those things out is seeing that they're there. And just the other day, I was drinking coffee in a coffee shop and I happened to be next to a table where there was a, a sponsor and a sponsee from an AA group. And just the dialogue that was happening, the on honesty about the clutches of this unholy addiction and the need to hand that over to a higher power, to get support with therapy and community, you could almost hear in that moment the spirit of alcoholism and addiction and self-harm cry out in the coffee shop. Have you come here to destroy us, Jesus? And in that moment, I was thinking, what, what if we got that honest, that reflective, that irritated by the other forms of unholiness that seep in to us? See, when Jesus shows up with all this authority, He is a bright light shining on things we might say, yeah, that's good enough. We don't need to speak up. We don't need to worry about that. No, we might need a deep clean 
I believe the church in America needs a deep clean, and it starts with us being willing to let Jesus irritate the uncleanliness within us. Jesus' presence irritates the unholy that infects individuals and systems. And I want to show you what happens next. This is Mark 1, 25 and 28. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. And they kept asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Jesus doesn't waste much time, doesn't get into a Twitter argument about who's right and who's wrong. He says, be quiet and get out of there. (laughs) Just a few verses before, right? John the Baptist declared in a loud voice that Jesus is coming and we must repent. And now this spirit uses a loud voice as well. But the difference is not knowing who Jesus is, but it's surrendering to his authority. So the spirit is cast out and the man is healed. And everyone is amazed. Jesus acts in the moment, not just with words, but with his power, with his authority. He does something about the unclean spirits in the world. He cleans deeply. And I admit as I read this text, I'm first encouraged by Jesus' power, but I'm also a little discouraged. Because I would like Jesus to just be casting stuff out all around. Can you just show up in places? Do we have any hope? And so many can be caught up in the evils of things like nationalism, racism, and hate and greed, and the lust for power and control. When we ourselves know what we should do, but fear actually doing it, when we don't love, don't care, don't help, when we let the unclean spirits in our midst fester, we just want Jesus to just show up and say, be quiet and get out of it. And yet I'm encouraged. Because I am reminded that this authority that is given to Christ is not hoarded by Christ. No, he gives it away. Just a couple chapters over in Mark 3, 14 and 15, it's talking to his disciples. It says, He appointed twelve to be with him, and he sent them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Jesus has authority, but so does the church. So do we. We are invited to live with authority, not an authority built on our own power or influence or strength, but on our Christ. See, I believe Mark is showing us that when we encounter Jesus, Jesus scrubs to the core of people and systems. Jesus will irritate the unholiness in the world. But when we encounter Jesus also, it's an invitation for us to be a voice like John the Baptist declaring the good news we have found. It's an invitation to be like the fishermen in the boat to come and follow Jesus because Jesus wants us to become who we've been made to be. It is a healing. Like this man in the synagogue. Do you notice? He goes back to being part of this community not blamed or shamed. He's set free. He is able to live free without the unholiness that plagues him and he is made new. This is an invitation to follow Jesus with our whole lives and to be transformed 
Pastor George Mason says, Jesus isn't satisfied with being among nice people who have adjusted to the cultural and political powers that hold us hostage. No, he goes deep and he calls us to join him. So I believe we can go from this place encouraged as we enter in a challenging world because we can leave here expectantly. That we can anticipate encountering the divine as we say yes to follow Jesus in this space and in the world. I think we can leave here willing that we might ask to open ourselves up to Christ's cleansing love, that it might irritate the unholy that we see, that we experience, that it might call us to turn towards Him. And we might leave here empowered, able to call out the powers and principalities that infect our world and to do it with both grace and authority. That we might be people who resist unclean spirits. That we might resist these things that are against the kingdom of God and we might live with love that reflects the Christ who encounters us. Will you pray with me? God, as we read your scripture and hear stories about unclean spirits, we can not be sure what to do all the time. And yet, God, we ask that the strangeness of the text not prevent us from seeing the reality of the evil of things like corruption and abuse and desire for promotion of self and control that can infect us, that infects the systems we participate in and benefit from. So God, we ask that you might meet us. That you might irritate the unholiness in our midst. That you might make us irritated at the unholiness we see in the world so we might be people who expectantly wait to encounter you, who are willing to have you impact our lives and who are empowered to speak up, to act, to love fiercely, to be people of your kingdom and your hope in a world that needs it desperately. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or looking for ways to support God's work through our church, visit bcwc.org.